This is True Self, a podcast about seeking to know who we really are using the language of astrology. I'm Laura Sweat. All kinds of feelings can overwhelm us. The obvious ones are fear, pain, grief, shock, the bad stuff. But even joy can overwhelm us. Love can overwhelm us. Relief can overwhelm us. Maybe we tend to hide from intensity, or maybe we run straight into it looking for the adrenaline rush, or maybe we're learning to ride waves of intensity in our lives with grace, neither letting it overwhelm us nor struggling against us. But however you handle intensity, that probably has something to do with where the sign of Scorpio touches your life. Today on the podcast, we're thinking about the intensity the initiation, and the healing power of the sign of Scorpio. We'll reach deep into the emotional life of Scorpio with a story, ask what Taoism has to teach us about the power of water, and we'll consider what happens when the traits of Scorpio touch different parts of our lives, using our birth charts as a guide. Plus, we'll consider how this powerful, concealed, survival-oriented sign forms the perfect complement and opposite of the cheerful, pleasant sign of Taurus. Strength, survival, overwhelm, and the beauty of our pain, this week on True Self. sign that is about sensation and experience, we're starting this episode with a brief piece of fiction to immerse you in what it feels like to have a Scorpio experience. Whatever signs you most identify with, I'm certain that you have had a Scorpio experience of some kind. I want to give you a heads up though, I don't think this is like a horror story, but there is some imagery of drowning here, so if that's too much for any reason at all, you can skip ahead using the timestamp in the show notes. I'm standing on a beach just before a storm. I've experienced a huge loss. My heart is broken. I'm in the wild depths of grief and I'm looking for guidance. I'm looking for some kind of answer in the ocean. I feel desperate for an answer. Clouds are gathering. The sky is getting dark, and so is the water. An internal voice, a wise voice, tells me that the water in front of me, the ocean, represents the absolute depths of who I am, the depths of my pain. And that voice tells me to step into the water, and I'll get my answer. It's not going to be fun, the voice assures me. This is going to be scary, frightening at a level you can't quite imagine. But it's an initiation. It's what you need to stop being so confused, to stop suffering so wildly. When you get out of the water, the voice says, you'll be a new person. This is the medicine you need. And I don't know why, but I trust the voice more than I fear the water. So I begin to wade in 
just as the thunder cracks overhead. I feel a surge of terror jolt through me, but I can also feel how brave I am and how determined I am to experience this. And I keep wading deeper and deeper into the water until I can't touch the bottom with my toes. The waves begin to carry me out to sea and the voice says, don't panic, stay calm, keep your eyes on the shore you will be delivered. The storm gets wilder and the waves begin to toss me around and I'm struggling to breathe. You will be delivered, says the voice. Don't panic. Eyes on the shore. You will be delivered. I'm all the way out in the water. I know now is not the time to start doubting the voice. And I release myself to the ocean. I surrender. I don't struggle against the waves. My fear is a fact, and I accept it as a fact. I embrace it. It's my companion out here in the water. I keep my eyes on the shore. As the water surges and overtakes me, I stop thinking. My focus turns fully to just the fact of my breathing, the reality of my breath, my missed breaths, breath returning. I go out of all sense of time and space. I wonder if I'm going to die. Then my toe grazes sand and a thought comes. I'm somewhere near the shore. A few waves later, I'm fully on the shore. I begin to come back to reality. I begin to anchor myself back to space and time. I cough out water, feel my heart thumping in my chest. Exhausted, I lie on my back on the wet sand for a long while. Then I sit up. The sun is shining. I try to stand, and I'm weak, but I make it to my feet. I am alive. And as I take my first steps on the beach, I find that my heart is whole now. It's tender, but it's no longer broken. My pain is a part of me, a beautiful part of me, a living part of me the strongest part of me. I and my pain are merged. We are one in the same. I've been initiated into the sign of Scorpio. So I'm a Scorpio moon, and as I was recording that story, I had this feeling of like, is this too intense? Is this crazy? Is this super weird? And that pretty much sums up what it's like to have a Scorpio moon in general, where like expressions of your emotional experience are met with a kind of disbelief at 
the intensity. I feel like I wrote that little story from the perspective of what it feels like to have a moon or an emotional regulation style in the sign of Scorpio. Um, generally, emotional regulation is not ideally experienced in a sign that is about overwhelm. And so a lot of the time we Scorpio moons um, kind of freak people out when we convey how we experience our emotions because it's very intense. The sign of Scorpio owns some really heady concepts. It is the part in the wheel of the year where we have an emotional confrontation with our mortality. So it's a water sign and it is all about emotion and feeling. Um, so it's a place where you contemplate death. It's also a place where you um, experience that in some way and are transformed by it. So there's a lot of overlap between Scorpio and the eighth house. Scorpio is concealment. It's ruled by the planet Mars, which is a planet of war. Mars also rules Aries, but Aries is like the direct expression of war, and Scorpio is the indirect expression. Scorpio protects itself through concealment. This is an idea of war that you can see a little bit more in Eastern philosophy, uh, the art of war, for example is a place where you can read a lot about concealment as military strategy. And Scorpio owns that. And so these are really intense concepts. And when you bring them to a personality, they have a really interesting effect. I feel like the meme concept of Scorpio is that it's just super gothy and dark. And certainly any Scorpio individual has some kind of identification with that. I just, I think all of us do on some level. But what I notice about Scorpio is that that rarely is the way Scorpio personalities are taken or received by others. The primary just mode of Scorpio is concealment, is not being able to see what's going on. Sometimes this even goes deep enough that the Scorpio themselves has no idea what's going on. That is the most masterful concealment is if you don't know what's happening for you, then nobody else is going to know it either. And so because of that, the most typical Scorpio personality is actually this kind of mild manneredness. It's sort of a, it's not affectless, like there are other things that can come in with the personality, but you probably perceive a lot of Scorpios in your life as pretty sweet people. Um, and you have no idea what's going on with them. That's generally the most typical way to experience a Scorpio person. And then once you start to get close to a Scorpio person, there is a kind of deep emotional merging that can happen. As a water sign, Scorpio is capable of deeply, deeply, deeply connecting with other people and of influencing other people by understanding how they feel. Scorpio shares that with Cancer and Pisces. Those are the three water signs. But where Cancer is nurturing and Pisces is loving, Scorpio is... I mean, it can be both of those things, but it's more of 
a desire for deep, overwhelming, total intimacy. Overwhelm. You hear how overwhelm comes up over and over and over with Scorpio. I've heard Scorpio described as being like a riptide. If Cancer is a serene ocean and Pisces is a flowing river, Scorpio is a riptide. It's the thing that takes you out to sea and you need to relax and understand that you're going to be okay and not struggle against it and wait to be delivered to the shore. So we've talked about the fact that each sign in the zodiac has a perfect complement and opposite. And that means that we can think of the zodiac as six axes of meaning instead of just as 12 signs. So the first axis we talked about was Libra and Aries. Aries and Libra, I'm going to (laughs) say. Aries starts the astrological year at the spring equinox. Libra marks the middle of it at the autumn equinox. The second axis is Taurus and Scorpio. Taurus marks the height of spring and Scorpio marks the depth of fall. These are both fixed signs and the fixed signs show up when a a season is in its fullness, its totality. And so this axis of meaning is about sensation, experience, and we could also say it's about ownership. As we talked about in the Taurus episode, something about sensation is always tied to resource, what we have available. So the Taurus end of this polarity is about pleasure and deep enjoyment. And the Scorpio end of this polarity is about overwhelm, or another way, way we could characterize that is that it's about pain in some ways. I always worry about talking about it that simply because I don't want Scorpios to think that their realm is just pain <laughs> and, and horror. That's not really what it is. I, and I think that an elevated concept of Scorpio is one where deep, difficult emotions can be sorted through and experienced with joy or even, you might say, ecstasy. I think because Scorpio holds the deepest emotions, the most overwhelming emotions, it's really the place where we can get to the craziest heights with our emotions too, but that's kind of dangerous and it's certainly very strange. And so that's where we get a lot of the darker, more difficult things with Scorpio is that to experience Scorpio in a really beautiful way, you need to practice with it a lot and you need to work a lot on how you ride out intense sensation. The most typical thing for us to do with intense sensation is to avoid it, to find a way to not feel it. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, sometimes that's grief or, um, you know, shock, tragedy. We're avoiding those feelings. But sometimes we avoid joy and love and relief because those feelings are too intense. An expert Scorpio knows how to really be in those feelings, to let them 
take over, but not to be derailed by them. And that's a really challenging thing to master in our lives. So let's get into how the sign of Scorpio impacts your own life. In this section, we talk about how to understand what the signs mean in your own life. If you know your rising sign, listen for that. If you don't know your rising sign, you can listen for your sun sign or for any other sign you would like to. My recommendation would be to listen for your rising sign if you know it. Okay, we're going to start with, oh, wait a minute, I forgot. (laughs) If you'd like a worksheet to help you track what the signs mean in your own chart as we go through it, you can go to my website and download one. The website is 8th.house, that's numeral 8, T-H dot H-O-U-S-E. Okay, let's get started with Scorpio and Scorpio rising. If you're a Scorpio or Scorpio rising, Scorpio emerges in the realm of your identity, your sense of self, and the way that people perceive you. Now, often this can play out in a similar way to what I was talking about earlier with just the way Scorpionic people tend to be perceived, right? So regardless of what else is happening in your chart, often with a Scorpio or a Scorpio rising, people will perceive you as sort of mild-mannered, and they will be unsure of what your emotional experience is. That is the signature of a Scorpio or a Scorpio rising. You may, in fact, find that you are often unsure of what your emotional experience is. And sometimes the intensity of Scorpio actually comes out of that tendency to, for a really long time, not know what's going on with you emotionally, and then it just all hits you at once, and that's how the overwhelm comes in. With a Scorpio or Scorpio rising, you're identifying with the part of yourself that is concealed, stealthy, cautious, survival-oriented, and you might be less identified with the part of you that is hedonistic and pleasure-seeking, but you probably find those qualities in partners or in intimate relationship. And you're probably, when it comes to your partners, pretty cuddly and snuggly and and joyful. Uh, That's one of the traits of being a Scorpio or a Scorpio rising, is having that Taurus seventh house. A Scorpio or Scorpio rising may indeed experience pain and overwhelm when it comes to their sense of identity and sense of self. And yet they have this immense strength, which is that they have a real capacity to walk through pain and overwhelm, to experience it and to be transformed by it. And that can make them very intimidating people sometimes, even though they can appear very sweet. And it also can make them really formidable opponents if they decide they don't like you. Scorpio is much less likely than like a fire sign to have an out and out conflict with someone. They're much more likely to carry secret grudges that they sort of react to almost unconsciously. And they are much more likely than any other sign to win a conflict, (laughs) in part because of this quality of having concealed motives. Um, As we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode, there are just few things 
few qualities that are more powerful than somebody not knowing what is going on with you. Scorpio is a water sign, so emotions are really deep and intense. Sensitivity is really heightened with Scorpio and Scorpio rising. And with water, all water, even though Scorpio is darker than the other two, there is a real, real intimacy that Scorpio is capable of that is kind of one of its superpowers. If you're a Libra or a Libra rising, Scorpio traits define your second house, which is your house of self-worth and value. This means that concealment in some ways emerges in your sense of self-worth. So people might have a particularly difficult time with Libras or Libra risings, understand how the, understanding how they experience their sense of value in the world. And the Libra or Libra rising themselves might have some real pain and intensity when it comes to the sense of self-worth and value. The scorpionic traits of concealment, intensity, and some pain to walk through, they're all emerging in this house where we experience our value in the world. I'm trying to think of a concrete way to explain what this would look like. And I think I want to go back to the Libra character a little bit. So the character of Libra is to be peacemaking and beauty making, um, in some ways to even be admired, right? And so when we think about the fact that the second house is characterized by Scorpio, it shows how that Libra character hides its sense of worth and value from others. That kind of um, merges with our understanding of Libra as this, this sign that is admired. It kind of doesn't let other people see how it values itself. This is also the house of money. And so Libra and Libra rising might even have some kind of concealment or secrecy around money, and they might have very intense money experiences. If you're a Virgo or Virgo rising, Scorpio characterizes your third house, which is the house of day-to-day communication, day-to-day travel, and sibling and extended family relationships, like cousins, aunts, uncles, and stuff. Also, sibling-like friendships can show up in the third house. And it shows us the sort of little trails of our everyday existence. So back in normal times, like going to the grocery store, going to the post office, I guess we still can do those things technically. But like those little loops would be uh, what you find in the third house. One of the things that's interesting to me about this is that with Virgos and Virgo risings that I know, there is real secrecy in the way that they present to the people that they see every day. Um, it's a kind of veil that is over the Virgo or the Virgo rising in their day-to-day activities and communications. If you want to know 
a Virgo rising or a Virgo, you really need to be in a different part of their life than just the people that they see every day because they're not um, forthcoming in their daily communication. There also tends to be some kind of intensity or concealment that emerges in sibling and sibling-like relationships with a Scorpio third house for Virgo and Virgo rising. Um, Intense sibling relationships is really quite characteristic of Virgo and Virgo rising. If you're a Leo or Leo rising, Scorpio characterizes your fourth house, which is the house of your home, your family, and your origins. This is an important house. It's the house that represents where we are rooted and the roots of our personality, the roots of our identity form in the fourth house. And if you're a Leo rising, that means that the roots of your identity were formed in an environment that was in some sense concealed and was also a source of intensity, a source of perhaps pain. This is one of the most interesting things about Leo to me is that the exuberant performative personality of Leo is rooted in some kind of intense, concealed, emotional place in the the home, the family, the roots. This Scorpio fourth house for Leo can also mean that while Leo is a very performative sign and it likes to be out there in certain ways, when it comes to its home, it's actually a bit protective and most likely to be secretive. Interestingly, this can also mean that people in the Leo's home environment or people that the Leo grew up with feel, might feel like they know the Leo the least. They might feel like that, that essence is concealed from them in some way. If you're a Cancer or a Cancer rising, Scorpio characterizes your fifth house. This is the house of creativity, of how we replicate ourselves or share ourselves with the world. It's also the house of sexuality and children going along with that theme of creativity. So to have Scorpio characterize your fifth house characterize your creativity is to have a creativity that is in some way veiled and that can be a source of real pain that you need to walk through. This can mean a creative process that is mysterious even to you. It can mean if you have children some pain and intensity in the way that you relate to those children, and the same thing for your creative projects. And so having that Scorpio character on your fifth house means that you have an intense and a deep creativity that sometimes can be a source of pain. If you're a Gemini or a Gemini rising, Scorpio characterizes your sixth house. This is the house of habits, day-to-day habits, stuff that forms your quality of life over time because you do it every day, positive or negative. It also is the house of where we are in service, so it can represent our employment and our daily work environment. 
Geminis tend to experience a lot of pain in trying to maintain healthy, productive daily habits. It's part of the character of Gemini to flit from thing to thing, to have its attention, um, you know, split in a lot of different directions. And so maintaining habit can be really challenging. And there is some of the Scorpio pain that comes in here for Gemini and Gemini rising. Also, their habits can be really concealed. You can really wonder what a Gemini is doing every day and not have a good sense of it at all. So that concealment of Scorpio also comes into that day-to-day habits. Um, Service and being of service can be very difficult subjects for Gemini. It's not uncommon for Geminis to just opt out of working for other people entirely, but even then, you know, everybody works for somebody. So that sense of being in service uh, to another person is where Scorpio emotion can really come in and it can be very intense for Gemini. If you're a Taurus or a Taurus rising, the traits of Scorpio characterize your seventh house, which is your house of partnerships and intimate relationships. I noted for Leo rising that because Scorpio characterizes their house of home and origins and family, that sometimes means that the people at home feel like the personality of the Leo is in some ways concealed from their them or veiled from them more than people in the rest of the Leo's life. So it's only fair for me to acknowledge here, as a Taurus rising, that people who are in intimate relationship with Taurus, our partners, might feel like we are the most mysterious to them. It's our partnerships and our intimate relationships, our best friends, who tend to struggle the most with Taurus rising to understand what's really going on for us. We also tend to experience the most intensity, the most difficult, overwhelming emotion in our intimate relationships and our one-to-one relationships. And for a Taurus or a Taurus rising, while you identify with the side of you that is chill and relaxed and pleasure-oriented, you might be less identified with the side of you that is protective and cautious and secretive, and you might find that more in your partner. So there may be partners, intimate relationships in your life who also seem secretive to you or seem concealed to you. If you're an Aries or an Aries rising, Scorpio characterizes your eighth house. This is the house of birth, death, and transformation. Aries and Aries rising kind of get the signs matched up with the themes of the houses to some extent. And so this is really, really obvious with Scorpio. Your ability to transform, to die to an old version of yourself and be reborn as a new version of yourself is characterized by the Scorpio energy of concealment and intensity. That all makes very straightforward sense as many things with Aries and Aries rising do. In fact, it makes so much sense that it's a little hard for me to think of a way to describe it that isn't super obvious. (laughs) But when you go through times in your life when you're changing 
and you're growing into a new version of yourself and some part of you is dying so that a new part of you can be born, that part of your life is characterized by concealment and intensity. If you're a Pisces or a Pisces rising, Scorpio characterizes your ninth house. This is the house where we grow, where we are expanded by life, where we travel to faraway places as opposed to local places. We have new experiences. We grow. We grow in the ninth house. For Pisces and Pisces rising, with Scorpio characterizing that ninth house, that can mean that the way that you gather spiritual knowledge, higher knowledge, is through this intense merging that Scorpio owns, merging with other people, um, becoming one with others is part of how you get elevated and grow spiritually. Additionally, um, growth can be a particularly painful and difficult thing for Pisces and Pisces rising. Uh, it can be the place where they experience the most intensity and all the difficult themes of Scorpio we've talked about. So an example of that, one that keeps coming up for me that I'm just going to say is that sometimes long range travel can have these like really intense emotional experience for experiences for Pisces and Pisces rising. Um, I'm just going to leave that there. That's just uh, something I've noticed about Pisces. Um, but it also means that the centerpiece of growth for Pisces is deep emotional transformation. That's probably the most important takeaway. If you're an Aquarius or an Aquarius rising, Scorpio characterizes your 10th house. The 10th house is the house of what we are known for and our reputation in the world. So it's particularly interesting for Aquarius to have Scorpio characterizing the part of them that is supposed to be the most public, and yet Scorpio brings this energy of concealment and kind of a veil to that house. And so Aquarius might have a reputation as being a little dark, or maybe even as being somebody who's really hard to get to know, which when we think about Aquarius kind of makes a lot of sense. Aquarius is hard to get to know. And so that might be the thing that one of the things that they are most known for. The career and the reputation can be a real source of pain for Aquarius and Aquarius rising. It's the place where they have this intense emotional confrontation um, and this overwhelm. So Aquarius and Aquarius rising might find that career and how people think of them end up being a big focus in their lives because of the intensity of it. If you're a Capricorn or a Capricorn rising, Scorpio represents your 11th house, which is the house of your social circle and your community. To have Scorpio characterizing your 11th house, this house of social circle, means, first of all, that you might find a fair amount of Scorpio energy in your 
social connections. You might have a lot of people in your life who are a bit concealed about their emotional experience, but also have a real capacity for intense connection to others. And you also might find that that style of relating to people is also common, commonly experienced in your social life. So what I'm thinking here is kind of a group of people who are a little guarded around each other, but also capable of deeply bonding to one another. That's the Capricorn social circle. When we're talking about two separate people, a Capricorn and a Scorpio, there's something about those two people that kind of gets each other because they both deal with something difficult that the other signs struggle to deal with. So in Scorpio, it's an emotional confrontation with mortality. And in Capricorn, it's like a practical confrontation with mortality where you figure out how to survive. But both signs are very serious about survival and know how to survive. And so it makes sense that Capricorn is attracted to that Scorpio energy in its social circle. That being said, We've been talking about the way that intensity and difficult emotion emerge in the house of our charts that is characterized by Scorpio. And so Capricorn and Capricorn rising might experience that some of the most intense and difficult emotions that they encounter come up in participation in a community and in their group of friends. If you're a Sagittarius or a Sagittarius rising, Scorpio characterizes your 12th house. This is the house of the karmic past, of the collective unconscious, and of the unseen. In the last few episodes, I have started to wonder if I should just skip trying to describe the 12th house altogether, (laughs) because it's really hard to describe. Um, And especially when I get to something like this, it's maybe a little easier to describe it when you have a... sign energy that's very like happy-go-lucky and cheerful characterizing a house that's very dark and mysterious. But here you have a dark and mysterious sign characterizing a dark and mysterious house and it becomes a little difficult to explain exactly how that is experienced. But I am going to try. So for Sagittarius, the part of life that is unseen and unconscious, most unseen and most unconscious, is the part of life where you have these intense, overwhelming emotional experiences. That can mean, for the kind of sweet, happy-go-lucky Sagittarius identity, that you're a bit unconscious of the part of you that is survival-focused, wanting to conceal itself, wanting to make sure it retains power in a certain situation, right? Sagittarius might really not be aware of those parts of itself. However, when we're talking about the 12th house, that's like where your programming is written. So it's like the code that then you you see show up in your personality. So One way that we could talk about this is we could think about Sagittarius and survival and the way that Scorpio kind of writes the survival code that leads to the Sagittarius personality. Stick with me. I know that this is weird, but like 
when we think about the signs seasonally, Scorpio happens in the deep fall when we're really aware that winter is coming, right? So we have an emotional confrontation with death. Then we get to Sagittarius and we've experienced our emotional confrontation with death and now we're ready to have a party and celebrate being alive and think about what life means, right? So Scorpio leads directly to Sagittarius. So for Sagittarius, that part of you where you're having that emotional confrontation with death, it's really hard to articulate, really hard to understand, really hard to explain to another person, but it leads ultimately to that identification with wanting to celebrate being alive and wanting to understand what being alive means. That philosophical drive of Sagittarius is really found in the unconscious Scorpio stuff that's going on in the 12th house. Okay, I think we did it. In closing, I want to think about Scorpio from the perspective of the strength of water. So it's often said, especially in Taoism, that water is the most powerful element. It is totally yielding, totally soft, and yet it can put out a fire. It can wear down rock over time simply by continuing to flow. It sort of triumphs over everything in the end. And it triumphs because it is soft and yielding. In Taoism, especially, uh, we talk about water as representing the Tao or the life force that flows through everything. So coming out of that tradition, there's a book called The Art of War. It was written in about the 5th century BC, and it's ancient Chinese wisdom on how to, mostly how to avoid fighting wars. But in that book, Sun Tzu talks about the military as being water-like, as being formless and uh, stealthy and really comfortable with tricking the enemy in order to avoid a fight. And those are very Scorpio-like qualities and traits. There's one quote in particular from The Art of War that I think really sums up Scorpio. So Scorpio has this capacity to understand what is under the surface. Because of its understanding of emotion, it can know itself and know other people on a very deep level. And that's part of why we get a little scared of Scorpio because its capacity to be manipulative is very high if it wants to be. And this quote from The Art of War sort of sums up why that's such a soft yet dangerous power. And so in the military, knowing the other and knowing oneself in 100 battles, no danger. Not knowing the other and knowing oneself, one victory for one loss. Not knowing the other and not knowing oneself, in every battle, certain defeat. And that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that is possible now. It just got approved. And it would help me so much as I'm getting this started. 
You can find show notes on my website at 8th.house. That's numeral 8th.house. Lots and lots of love to you. I hope you're well. I hope you're doing well. And I'll talk to you next week.